Welcome to ADHD SOS. We've heard your call, and don't worry, help is on the way. This is the only podcast that combines mindset skills, cognitive psychology, and the motivational pep talks you need to beat procrastination and achieve peak performance. Join me, your host and fellow ADHDer, Tina L., as we journey from SOS to smooth sailing. Welcome back, SOS Squad. Today, today, we are talking about how to reliably find focus and manage distraction. What if, what if you could create an alternate reality in which focus is available to you on command and distractions are just not such a thing? Oh yeah, I think I hear you over there on the other end. You said, hell yeah, sign me up. Let's freaking do this. Well, you got it. You got it. In this episode, I'll show you a recipe for how to amp your focus and sidestep distraction that's specifically tailored to your ADHD brain. We're not taking baby steps in this episode. We are talking about how to create a whole new friggin' world for you. Because the thing is that it's up to us to find and create the conditions under which our ADHD brains thrive. The truth is that this world was not made for neurodivergent brains. Very few people understand what we need. Nobody's going to be rolling out any red carpets. Part of the reason why is that it's just not that easy. You have to know yourself. You have to know what it takes to keep your brain properly stimulated. And today, I'm going to show you how to figure out just that. Creating the right conditions for our brains takes nothing less than creating our own reality. In this reality, you invoke those things that get your brain to light up. You create dopamine, which stimulates your focus and motivation. I used to think that I needed to just figure out how to work like everyone else around me. After all, that's what school teaches you. Follow the instructions, pay attention, just do it. I couldn't do any of those things consistently, and I felt shame constantly. Finally, in fifth grade, when I was at risk of not graduating elementary school, I was diagnosed with ADHD and given certain accommodations, which mainly consisted of extra time on tests and a quiet room to myself. This is what the state determined would create a level playing field for me in school. These accommodations would be my first clue about what my right conditions ought to be. In my quiet room with my extra time, I was existing in a new and different reality, even if just a little bit. This reality came closer to being one that suited my unique brain. It gave me a shot, a shot at being able to pay attention because of reduced external distractions, and a shot at finishing the test because I had extra time. At the time, I thought that ADHD was just a learning disability that wouldn't apply to me when I was no longer in school. Haha, <laughs> jokes on me. Of course, ADHD affects your whole life, and for most of us, for our whole lives. It took me eons of years stuck in procrastination to realize that, of course, my ADHD hadn't magically disappeared and it would affect my professional work just as much, if not more, than my schoolwork. 
of course I still had ADHD and of course I still needed accommodations. In fact, all along I needed much more than a quiet room and extra time. What I needed were strategies that I could use to get my brain to focus on command when I needed it to. And in the real world, it was up to me to create those accommodations for myself. In the real world, it's up to me to understand how my brain works and what it really needs. And then give it that enthusiastically, persistently, and without judgment. The preeminent ADHD researcher, Dr. Russell Barkley, agrees that, quote, if you change the situation enough, you reduce how handicapped or disabled you are within it. In a similar vein, I propose that if you change the situation enough, you improve how much of a badass you can be in it. Today, we're going to talk about how you can take a proactive role in creating a world that is ideally suited to you. Want to know an awesome ADHD hack? Become a follower of the show and new episodes will be served to you automatically when they become available. No need to remember to have to go looking for new episodes. Fresh survival strategies will be delivered straight to the homepage of your favorite player. On Spotify, click on the name of the show and click follow under the picture of me. And on Apple Podcasts, click on the name of the show, click on the three dots on the right-hand side and select follow. I can't wait for you to join the SOS squad. ideally suited to you, what gives you the power that allows you to focus? In your world, who are the bad guys that cause distraction? We all experience jolts of clarity and focus from time to time. The problem, and the huge frustration for many of us, is that those moments of clarity and focus seem to happen randomly. We're not in command of when they happen. We don't get to decide. And that makes life feel chaotic and out of control. If you're anything like I was when I set out on this journey to understand my brain, I couldn't just choose to have clarity and focus. This made me a hard person for myself to rely on. This caused me constant anxiety when I couldn't get myself to do the thing. Now that I understand the neuroscience behind the ADHD brain, I can create a world that sets me up for success on a reliable basis. It's knowable. Thank goodness. We know that at the heart of it, ADHD is about dopamine dysfunction and executive dysfunction. And when we know how our unique brains work, we can understand how to find focus and sidestep distraction. First, let's look at this dopamine dysfunction and how we can get the dopamine we need to find focus. ADHDers experience dysfunctional dopamine signaling in the brain. Neurotypicals can engage in boring, tedious, cognitively challenging activities much more easily because they have this resting pool of dopamine in their brains. That resting pool of dopamine creates intrinsic, meaning internal, motivation to start and stick with tasks that are not necessarily rewarding on their own. Because we don't have that resting pool of dopamine, we need to do things externally outside of our brains to make the activity fun or rewarding. That fun and reward are the accommodations we need to create for ourselves to manage our dopamine dysfunction. Here's what's crazy about the power of dopamine. This comes from Dr. Jane McGonigal, author of Super Better, and she says, 
When you have high dopamine levels in the reward circuitry, you worry less about the effort required and you find it easier to imagine and predict success. This translates into higher determination and lower frustration in the face of setbacks. Meanwhile, when dopamine runs low in the reward circuitry, something that happens during a period of clinical depression, for example, you weigh more heavily the effort required, often magnifying it, and you discount the importance of your goals. You also tend to anticipate failure rather than success, which can lead you to avoid challenges altogether. Obviously, then, when you're tackling a new goal or facing a tough obstacle, it's a huge benefit to have high levels of dopamine. And the benefit extends beyond motivation and determination. High dopamine levels in the reward circuitry are also associated with faster learning and better performance. Whoa, that's some powerful stuff. To summarize that, dopamine increases your ability to imagine and predict success. Your determination your speed of learning, and your overall performance. Meanwhile, when dopamine is low, you worry more about the effort required and you often magnify what it will take. You discount the importance of goals. You anticipate failure. You may avoid challenges altogether. Oh, yikes. This is some heavy stuff we're up against when our dopamine levels are low. If you haven't yet today, this would be a great time to have a moment of compassion for yourself and how freaking hard it is to live with chronically low dopamine. Dr. McGonagall goes on to state that scientists have proposed that higher dopamine levels in the brain may actually be the most important driver of a solid work ethic. This is a crucial rethinking of one of the most universally valued and admired character strengths. Work ethic is not a moral virtue that can be cultivated simply by wanting to be a better person. It's actually a biochemical condition that can be fostered purposefully through activity that increases dopamine levels in the brain. Holy wow. So first, let's get the obvious thing out of the way. We're not lazy. You and I are not people lacking in grit and determination. In fact, we probably have more grit and determination than most just due to the fact that we're still alive and have found ways to meet our basic needs. Second, how the heck do we get our dopamine levels up? What are those activities that create the biochemical conditions for us? McGonagall's extensive research into gaming demonstrates that fun and immediate rewards are key. High levels of dopamine are what allow gamers to spend countless hours focused and motivated to win, despite, despite the fact that on average, they spend 80% of the time failing. So let's talk about specific ways that we can create that fun and reward. These are our accommodations. And even more than that, these are the ways that we can create our own reality, a reality in which we're in control. We can decide to focus, and that focus comes easily. So the necessary disclaimer here is that every brain is different. We all get dopamine in different ways. What feels fun and rewarding for one adhd might not feel fun and rewarding for another. Because of this, finding your most effective sources of dopamine for focus and motivation will be a game of trial and error. This is where being a scientist and running your own tests comes into play. With that in mind, I want to share a mnemonic that has been infinitely powerful for me. 
This mnemonic makes up the general characteristics that create dopamine for ADHD brains. It's called NICUP. NICUP stands for Novelty, Interest, Challenge, Urgency, and Passion. Let's look at novelty. How can we do something in a new way? Can you change your working environment? Newness gives us dopamine. How can we change it up so that even if we're working on the same project every day, it feels new and different? For example, when I was writing a book, I played with writing in different locations, like a coffee shop one day, auto-dictating on a walk, or even writing in the bathtub. Next up, we have interest. What is interesting about what you're doing personally for you? Even if the topic isn't personally interesting, are you developing a skill that's of interest to you? For example, maybe you're writing a report on a topic that's boring, but you're interested in developing your writing skills. Is there a way to make it more interesting, either by modifying the activity itself or reframing how you think about it? For example, when I owned a product business, I found it really boring to write product listings, but I was interested in the game of marketing strategy and finding the right keywords. When I reframed it this way, I found writing product listings to be an interesting experiment. Besides giving you immediate dopamine, a focus on what makes a project interesting to you can also take the pressure off trying to do it perfectly. For example, when I focus on what I can find interesting about what I'm writing about in any given moment, I'm much less focused on how much more I have to write or if my writing is going to be well received by others. Next up, we have challenge. When we challenge ourselves at the edges of our ability, we get dopamine. ADHD brains tend to get bored and understimulated when things are too simple or easy. So how can you add a new level of challenge to something that you've done before or that's easy for you? For example, with this podcast, I'm challenging myself to find and execute on one small thing that I can do to make the podcast better each new episode. For example, is there something new I can learn about mastering the sound or using my mic in a better way? I'm doing the same thing. Every week I'm making a podcast, but how can I add in new challenges that will keep me engaged? And then we have urgency. How can you add urgency to your projects? The simplest way on a macro level is to set deadlines for yourself, and on a micro level, by setting timers or timeboxing. With some people, this doesn't work, and it helps to have outside accountability in order to make the urgency or deadline feel more real. For example, if you work with someone else, tell them that you have to have something done by a certain time. Or if you have an audience, announce when something you haven't finished will be released. I use urgency by setting timers for myself every day. I often explicitly challenge myself to see if I can complete a task by the end of the timer. On a macro level, when I was a business coach, I announced the release date for a course before I had completed it, and then I knew I had to finish it in that time. And finally, we have passion. How can you increase your desire to want to do a project? How can you get more emotionally invested? How can you get your heart in the game? A good way to invoke passion is to ask yourself why this thing matters to you. Why is it worth your precious time and energy? For example, when I was a labor negotiator, I often had so much tedious paperwork to do and so much fine print to read. I did not like that part. 
but I increased my passion for the work by connecting with the workers who I was supporting when I knew the difference that better pay, better health care, working conditions would make for their lives, that refueled my energy and my passion to do that tedious work. So those are the five characteristics that create dopamine in the ADHD brain. Commit this to memory if you can. NICUP stands for Novelty, Interest, Challenge, Urgency, and Passion. Next time you have to do something that you don't feel like doing, bring in as many elements of NICUP as you can. Notice which ones fuel you even a little bit or get you feeling energized to take on a task. Now that we've fueled up your dopamine tank and we're focused and ready to take on the world, let's talk about how to manage for the distractions that will inevitably arise. The biggest misunderstanding I found about ADHD probably because it's in the name, is that we have a deficit of attention. Not true. Not true at all. We have all the freaking attention. We have a hard time directing it to the right thing. That's the problem. While neurotypicals, generally speaking, can put on blinders, we are easily derailed by the little things in our peripheral vision. So to help us put on blinders to distraction, I propose this simple two-step process. The first step to managing distraction is to notice what the vectors for distraction are. When you sit down to work, notice anything in your mind, in your field of vision, or in your sound space that could lead to distraction. To manage distractions in your mind, do a quick brain dump and get all those random thoughts down. All of it. My brain dumps often end up being a random assortment of things that are knocking around in my brain. Like, oh yeah, I need to remember to buy toilet paper, and ugh, that thing that someone said, it just really rubbed me the wrong way, and I'm still, I'm still bristling about it. Oh yeah, and I need to remember to schedule a dentist appointment. I can't forget that. All of that random stuff represents thought distractions that can lead you off course when you're trying to get things done. Capturing it all will set your mind at ease because you know you won't forget, and you can come back to it later. Let's talk about managing distractions in your field of vision. Make sure that anything in your field of vision is there on purpose, if you can. It's either a useful distraction or an intentional source of dopamine. For example, I won't keep my phone in my field of vision because although it's a dopamine source, it's also an unuseful source of distraction if I haven't chosen to take a break to use it. Useful distractions that I keep in my field of vision are fidget toys, hand lotion, lip balm, fragrances. These don't actually distract my attention, and the little bit of stimulation and dopamine I get from them helps me stay focused. And lastly, we have distractions in your sound space. Before starting in on your task, make sure your sound space is clear of anything that might distract or annoy you. I'm incredibly sensitive to sound. I keep a white noise machine on constantly so that ambient sounds like traffic or my dogs barking or the garbage pickup don't bother me. I also work from home these days with my husband who is often on conference calls in another room. My easily distracted brain will start listening in on his conversations if they're loud enough to hear. To solve this, I'm almost always wearing headphones and listening to ambient music. For us ADHDers, there are so many vectors for distraction. We talked about the mind, the sound, the visual space. We must become scientists about distractions. 
it can be difficult to notice the sneaky small things that derail our attention. So that's where the distraction audit comes in. Keep a notebook next to you for a week. When you get distracted, make a note of when, what it was, and for how long. If you took action to reduce or avoid the distraction, note that too. How well did that action work for you on a scale from 1 to 10? Okay, so the first step in managing distractions was dealing with sensory distractions. And the second part, the second part of managing distractions is managing other people. (laughs) When people ask us to do something or suggest we change our plans, how do we handle that? For the distractions that we can anticipate, it's important to decide how we'll manage them ahead of time. When we're in the heat of the moment, it's likely that we'll be totally irritated by the distraction or tempted to drop our plans and our focus altogether. And in these states, when our emotions are elevated, it's much harder to make decisions that we'll feel good about in the future. For this type of hypothetical decision making, I like to use if-then statements. So... If my husband Axel suggests that we go to lunch today and I'm not finished writing this outline, I'll suggest we go tomorrow instead. If my dogs start barking at the gardeners while I'm trying to write this, I'll move to a quiet space in my bedroom until the gardeners are finished. If I sit at my desk for 30 minutes and I'm not able to get started on my work, I'll get up and take a walk around the block. So to manage distraction, the first and immediate step is to notice anything on your mind, in your visual space or your sound space. Brain dump your thoughts and be intentional about the sounds and objects you allow around you. Headphones and fidget toys are your friends here. Next, do a week-long distraction audit. Keep a notebook by your side and jot down any sneaky things that might be stealing your attention. And lastly, decide ahead of time when you know others are likely to ask you to change your plans or other external distractions are likely to arise. Create if-then statements about how you'll handle those instances. And now it's time for the rescue recap. When it's sink or swim, remember these key takeaways. SOS Squad, today we talked about how to create your own world with your own accommodations. The bottom line is that we need to create accommodations for ourselves. We need to create our own reality in order to level the playing field and allow us to operate at our full capacity. For our dopamine dysfunction, we need the accommodations of fun and reward to replace a lack of intrinsic motivation. ADHD brains get dopamine from NICUP, novelty, interest, challenge, urgency, and passion. The more elements of NICUP you can integrate, the more our brains will have the dopamine they need in order to stay motivated and focused. And to sidestep distraction, we need to notice the sensory and thought distractions that are crowding our brain and our physical space. It can be helpful to do a week-long distraction audit in order to notice the sneaky things that are derailing you on the regular. And lastly, have a plan for when distraction arises. Create your plan in the form of if-then statements so that you know exactly what actions you'll take before your emotions are elevated or you're likely to drop your plans altogether. The question I want to leave you with this week is, What is that challenging thing that you're trying to focus in on? Okay, do you have it? You got that thing in your mind? 
Okay, good. Now, how many elements of NICAP, novelty, interest, challenge, urgency, and passion, can you apply to that thing so that you have a full dopamine tank and a brain that willingly and easily gets into the zone? I am rooting for you and I love you. SOS Squad, over and out. Do you have a question about ADHD or an issue with productivity that you'd like to hear discussed on the show? I would love to throw you a lifeline. Send your SOS message to ADHDSOSpodcast at gmail.com. That's ADHDSOSpodcast at gmail.com. I can't wait to hear from you.